fade in. Exterior, a redwood forest, twilight. Full moon rising between trees. Green city limit sign next to dark highway. Dissolve to, sign, white block letters. Arcadia, California. Population, 16,179. Freeze frame. Superimpose, episode one, set dressing. Friday, March 20th, 2009. Audio notes, part one, untitled Small Town Film Project. I said I was going to use this move for inspiration, and I will, because there's always inspiration somewhere in everything. I swear, if I go back and listen to this and I put in a bunch of wholesome quotes about artistic inspiration, I will tell Karen she's responsible for stunting the creativity of the man who could have been the maker of the next great American film. But God, we could not have come to a worse place to get ideas for a horror film. Honestly, Arcadia probably isn't the best place to use for inspiration for a small town with a seedy underbelly either. I mean, I know there's probably bad shit that goes on here. Bad shit goes on everywhere, but it doesn't look like it. Not only doesn't it look like it, even Mom, who has made friends with everyone already and has been invited to like four book clubs, a Whole Foods cooking class, and this weird yoga slash meditation thing, hasn't even come home with the normal rumors, like where the house everyone knows is a meth lab is, or that's the laundromat that is laundering money, or this guy everyone knows hits his kids. Compared to where we came from, this place is clean. I'm not getting any material at all to write something showing how these little hippie communities are actually where the worst of humans live. But it isn't creepy, either. I mean, if it wasn't going to be creepy, it could be so perfect that it's obviously a facade hiding the darkness inside. But it's not. At all. Which means it isn't really good for anything. For example, downtown. So... The Falconer House, aka the house mom inherited and we all have to live in, opens onto this square plaza, very small-town America, Main Street, USA vibe, little park in the center with some benches and this weird statue of a creepy kid. Normal, wholesome, you paint the benches white, add some roses and a wrought iron fence, and it could be in an amusement park. Should be too perfect to be real, so one kind of creepy. I could lean into the idea of too perfect to be real for the movie. Might be interesting to go that way, as opposed to the whole ghost town thing, but... That might end up feeling too Stepford. I have to think about it. Except, see, it's not too perfect. The bushes might be roses, but they're pretty much dead. But not all the way dead, which would be a different kind of creepy. And the benches are brown wood, but it's not chipped or faded or anything. Just standard brown wooden benches. There are a bunch of empty storefronts downtown, which is like four streets that come off the plaza and everyone talks about it like it's a destination. And they look pretty cool because everything around here is old school with a sort of... 50s vibe in the architecture. Would it be way too overdone to have that kind of aesthetic for my town? If I'm filming here, I probably can't avoid it, but I could try to use some of the newer places. I don't want to be derivative, but I also don't want to avoid using good locations because I'm afraid of looking like a cliche. So, empty storefronts with dusty, faded window displays is creepy, but there aren't enough to make the place seem abandoned, and the stuff in between them is absolutely, totally normal, like vegan sandwich shop and weird organic co-op normal. So, not... Normal, normal, but California normal. Basically, all of the things that would actually be useful to me as source material for the film are not happening here. Instead, I've ended up in a town that's too boring to frighten and too average to unsettle. Great. Friday, March 20, 2009. Audio Notes Part 3, Untitled Small Town Film Project. I got bored sitting in my room. I am not going to tell Holly that, or she'll have opinions about my coming on errands with her. I am, instead, taking advantage of the fact that neither mom is here to remind me to do anything, and am getting a first-hand look at my new neighborhood. 
We've been here two days, so aside from the house and the Falconer Lumberyard and Sawmill, my familiarity with this absolutely riveting town has come through the window of a moving truck, and I have to start school next week. Even the school here is named after Falconers. I will be attending Cedar J. Falconer High School. I mean, it could be worse. I could actually be named Falconer and not just be part of the family. Karen keeps threatening to dig up a family tree or family history or something. There is apparently an entire Falconer collection at the library here. But Holly says she'll strangle her if she does, so I am, alas, in the dark about how the McCleary line connects to the grand old Falconer family name. Anyway, there is one possibly creepy thing in Arcadia, and I thought I'd get a closer look at it. So, there's this statue in the middle of the plaza. I've been staring at it since I moved in. The house has like 10 bedrooms, and I snagged one at the top and the front. It's probably something completely ordinary, but I hold out hope. I could tell it was a kid in a dress, but from across the street, it's... I mean, it's a statue. Like I said, a girl standing there with this sort of ball with a halo thing she's holding over her head. It looks a little like those... What are they called? Those orb things with crosses on them you see in Catholic art? Except instead of a cross, it's like an arch. It's this green metal that's all discolored with these white patches like mold and it's on a big stone base. It isn't really... I don't know why I thought it was... I mean, it's just... It's just... It's just the rain or maybe bird shit, but it's got these streaks all down its face. It looks like it's crying. Its face. I think I can hop the fence and get up on the base. Get a closer look. It's expression. It's... She's... Is she screaming? So apparently this is Tansy Falconer. At least that's what the neat little metal plaque here says. Of course, it's a Falconer. What was I thinking? Born March 3rd, 1828. Lost June 21st, 1834. Guess back then you couldn't just say the kid died. Fun. Okay, that's my curiosity satisfied. Now I get to sleep with this thing looking in my window every night. Fuck, ow! Who leaves a rock in the middle of a damp flower bed? Not a rock, a... Is this a fucking gravestone? Okay, no, it's another plaque. More about this dead kid? Open the drawers and crack the eggs. Carry bread for the one who begs. Accept what's given. Ne'er ask for more. Hang the horseshoe over the door. In bowl and cup, let some remain and turn away from the blood moon's rain. And there's... It almost looks like the thing Tansy's holding. A circle with a halo off to the side, carved in under the words... Okay, cool. So someone in the Falconer family had terrible taste in poetry. Anyway, let's call this research into small town public art finished for the day. I wonder if the moms would mind if I switched to one of the rooms in the back, because, yeah, that really is creepy. Friday, March 20th, 2009. Audio Notes Part 4, Untitled Small Town Film Project. This house, which I cannot stop thinking about as the Falconer House, capital letters, is way too big for us. Three stories, ten bedrooms. Honestly, it's pretty much a mansion by anyone's standards, which we do not need. The three of us kind of rattle around using like a third of the place to live in and leave the rest of it closed up, which is taking some getting used to. 
Karen said we should rent a smaller place, but Holly said it was stupid to rent when we had a perfectly good house that belonged to us now. Karen said she better not get asked to clean all the extra rooms then. The reason I'm bringing up this delightful domestic digression is that I wanted to make a clear note of the fact that rooms that have been closed for a very long time with all the furniture covered in sheets are inherently creepy, even without the mood music. I mean, I wasn't planning on relying on the film soundtrack to do the heavy lifting. For one, I won't be able to afford to pay someone to write an original score or to buy the rights for anything. But for another, it's lazy directing to lean too heavily on music, so I've been paying a lot of attention to things that can be unsettling just by looking at them. Like that kid statue, for example. Or the eight empty bedrooms between mine and the mom's. Apparently, the people who built the house, Sabine and Mordecai Falconer, if you're keeping track, had eight kids. Four sets of twins, all of them fraternal boy and girl. Actually, that's kind of unsettling too, not just because eight kids is way too many, but... Look into the potential use of twins to push the horror vibe, maybe? Get some children of the corn flavor? Are boy-girl twins more upsetting than same-sex ones? I have to think about that. So, where I was going with this is that there are a ton of elements of the setting here that could be really inspiring. I don't really want to take this project in the direction of spooky building with secrets, even if it hadn't been done already, and quite a few times. It just isn't what interests me. But I'm thinking that maybe the house can provide a sort of background level of off, like the things that are happening in the town can be foreshadowed or illustrated in what the house looks like and does. Or not house, the building. Whatever building ends up being important. Maybe a town hall or something, the library. With that in mind, I want to do a walkthrough of the place, because what's the point of having a giant familial mansion if you can't use it to create striking and disconcerting tableau in your debut film? So, Furniture and decorating styles that are out of sync with the current era. Grandma McCleary apparently died a couple years ago, and then Grandpa McCleary lived here alone. Neither of them seem to have any interest in updating. That wouldn't be a big deal. Houses full of antiques are classy and rich-feeling, not creepy. Except that some of the rooms have been modernized up to a point, so you'll go from something with dark wood paneling and heavy tapestry-covered furniture into a room with gold-flocked wallpaper and avocado green appliances, or down a hall with portraits that look like they come out of a Jane Austen novel or something into the room that belonged to Mom's brother, the one who died, which they kept basically like a shrine and is all progressive rock posters and crushed velvet. Nothing really feels like a restoration of an earlier period, and at the same time, nothing is really modern. It's jarring, which is effective. Oh, another thing I should use is making things nearly but not quite what the audience expects. Like, when we moved in, every drawer and cabinet in the place was open. Just open. Nothing out of place. Karen thought we'd been robbed. Apparently, it's some sort of tradition here. It doesn't really matter, but it was weird to walk in and have it look like someone's been searching through your stuff and then put it all back exactly correctly except left the doors i know i said i'd take her this week yeah i meant i know this is the third time but i really look just tell her Come on, Jen. I'll be fine. Just fine, okay? Tell her I'll see her tomorrow. With how much I give you in child support, and see why she had to rearrange my life every time. <laughs> Hello? Is Holly around? <clears throat> hey, you must be Junior McCleary, right? How you doing today? And you are? Mr. Estrada, Mr. E to the kids. I guess you could just call me Carlos or we're not at school, buddy. Sure, but who are you? I'm one of your mom's old friends. We go way back. I'm sure she's talked about me. I mean, 
we dated for almost all of our senior year when we went to CJF. Can't say she's mentioned you. Just tell her I'm here, will you? Thought we could go out for lunch for old time's sake. She's actually not here right now. You sure? I heard you moved in yesterday. She can't be busy already. She's at the grocery store with her wife. Oh, yeah, totally. I I knew that. <clears throat> um. Well, just tell her I came by, okay? Have her give me a call. Sure, I'll do that. You uh want to write down my number? Got you on tape. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, it's seven zero seven five 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 nine nine three two, and it's Carlos Estrada from high school. Is there anything else? That's it. Good to meet you, kid. Can't wait to see you at school. <laughs> Went from going to the school to working there. I'll be your trusty guidance counselor. That's just great. I'm going to go now. Have her call me. I cannot wait to tell Karen mom's boyfriend came to visit. I bet there are stories. House notes can wait. And gets all over his suit, which was this fantastic powder blue monstrosity. So he's standing there blushing bright red. And I'm wondering, what am I doing with Carlos with the lips when all I really want is to be getting to know Allie, the girl who had just been crowned queen? (laughs) I was right. There were stories. (laughs) Lyndon just stood there and watched. He could have intervened, but no, he just left his twin sister high and dry with a date in a stained blue ruffled suit. It took me weeks to forgive him and admit that it was pretty funny. Lyndon never actually went to one of those things with a date. I kept thinking, maybe next year, maybe next year. And then there wasn't any next year. It's okay, babe. You don't have to talk about it. No, it's good, too. Being here, it's kind of brought it all back. (laughs) And Nico, Lyndon was only a couple of years older than you are when... You look a lot like him, you know? I do? Yeah. You've got the same hair, eyes... Always seemed like they were laughing and mostly at you. Just like you, kiddo. Hey. (laughs) Sorry, we were talking about the tragedy that was my relationship with Carlos Estrada. No, I I mean, it's cool, Mom. He sounds like a cool guy. Way cooler than I was. It was hard to finish senior year without him. Did he get sick, or...? You never really told me what happened. Just an accident. A stupid accident. He... Well... It's okay. You don't have to. No, it's beyond time I talk about it. It will be good to remember him now that we're living here. They said it looked like he'd gotten caught in some kind of rock fall. They found him by the mill, down at the bottom of a little ravine. He was covered with bruises, and he he had a huge purple welt on his temple. 
The doctor said he must have fallen and pulled rocks down on top of him. He said that he'd been... (laughs) Babe, you don't have to tell us. It feels good to say it out loud to you two. They said he'd been all but stoned to death. Killed by a hundred little impacts. It was the only thing that could have happened. But I remember what the policeman said when they came to tell us. He was dead, he said. He didn't know how it could have happened. Linden with all those little bruises. And no rocks around him anywhere. Smash cut. Black screen. Over black. Roll credits. Nico McCleary is played by M. German. Holly McCleary is played by Vanessa Haas. Carlos Estrada is played by Dusty Hill. Karen Segretti is played by Corvin Appleby. Arcadia, California is a production of Law of Names Games. It is written and directed by Lisa Guente and edited by Eric Seguente. More information about the show and its cast can be found in the episode notes or at arcadiacalifornia.lawofnamesgames.com. Fade out.